Hey, have you applied to speak at Voice Summit yet? Applications are open until March 31st. So if you have something to say about voice, go to voicesummit.ai and click on apply to speak to be considered. Go ahead. What are you waiting for? Apply now. Claire Mitchell is the Director of Innovation at VaynerSmart at VaynerMedia. With a background including music, philosophy, creative development, and product design, she brings to the voice world a great blend of creativity, science, and leadership. She talks about her journey into voice, the current state of design and where it's headed in voice, projects she's worked on, and ones she would love to work on, plus her current favorite voice skill as well. Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. This is your host, Carrie Roberts. And today my guest is Claire Mitchell. She is the Director of Innovation at VaynerSmart at VaynerMedia. Welcome, Claire. Thanks for being here. Hi, Carrie. So happy to be here. Now, you have a pretty interesting background. In college, you studied philosophy and bioethics. I also know that you're a drummer. And I know that you have a personal passion for fostering collaborations between creative artists and scientists. Why is the mix of creativity and innovation so important to you? And how has it led you into the voice technology world? Growing up at points, I didn't actually know exactly what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I remember my mom actually being the one who always told me, don't worry, the career that you're going to have probably doesn't exist yet. And reflecting back on my windy path, she was absolutely right. Um, And that sort of sentiment has stuck with me and has allowed me to embrace curiosity and excitement for what's possible and looking ahead to the future. So I would say, you know, regarding innovation, it's really not just about novelty. It's about the ability to see an existing challenge or situation through an unexpected lens. And that's why I think it's really, really important for people to have an interest in a broad range of um, hard and soft sciences, understanding the way things work, but also being able to question them. But also in art, which is really about an ability to express or communicate what's in your head. But Getting back to my path in voice, it's been pretty windy, as I'm sure a lot of folks working in the space um, can probably empathize with. But I actually started my career in visual effects for film and commercial production. It was at the time when the iPhone was just about to come out, and there was this disruption of uh, content on demand anywhere, streaming, shareable, and screens were really dominating the conversation. But I left after several years to focus on human-computer interaction and new user interfaces at grad school and ended up spending time thinking about new user interfaces and how to interact with digital information without the aid of a screen. So uh, working in the IoT space for a couple of years, it was only natural to sort of progress into voice. Yeah, I love that. And I think you're right. You know, there's so many jobs that haven't been created yet. So I think it's wonderful that your mom said that to you at such a young age. And I do think I've said this before, there are so many creative people in the voice space. So it makes sense that kind of all these things that you've studied, and you're great at are now coming to fruition within this space as a whole. Yeah, it's sort of a happy coincidence. It's only in retrospect that you start to see the patterns that brought you to where you are. Yes. And I was doing my research on you and I saw this wonderful article that you had written in 2014, so almost six years ago, and it was published and you talked about new thresholds at the edge of a digital world. And in it, you wrote something that you asked, I think you wrote it so eloquently and I wanted to share. You asked the question, could the use of deeper spatial metaphors that extend beyond desktops and overlapping windows be beneficial for neurological development? And could our experience with digitally stored information, enhance cognitive capabilities 
and empower the use through imagery and interactions that allude to spatial exploration and synthesis between physical and digital. And so I'd love for you to explain what this means, especially back then. And I'm curious what your answer is to that question almost six years later in 2020, especially as we embark into a more voice-enabled world. Well, first of all, it's been a very, very long time since I wrote that. So thank you for digging in the archives. It was actually for an architecture publication, hence talking about the synthesis between the physical world and the digital world and new thresholds. But I think I was making a couple of points there. And I probably would write the question that you just read a little bit differently now, um, because that was quite a mouthful. But the first point, our interfaces don't have to be designed the way that they are currently. And I think that we get stuck in the past, bringing them over to new technological contexts. That's why we have this metaphor of the desktop with files and folders when we're working on our computers, um, or we have the metaphor of pages for the internet. They're just carried over from things that we could relate to from past interactions with information. But as an example, in this article, I was imagining a more spatial way of storing and retrieving files, probably influenced by the memory palace techniques that have been used for hundreds and hundreds of years for people to store and recall information in their minds. And if the metaphor of storing and retrieving information were like a building that we could navigate or even a city rather than pages in the files or a folder, the question is, would we be able to recall information more with that ability to be strengthened rather than offloading our capacity to remember to our computers? So sort of a different way of thinking about just structuring our memory of information. But in terms of how that could apply to voice, I'd have to give it a little bit more thought because it's been so long since I thought about that. But the general sentiment resonates because it's all about questioning the way that our interfaces are designed at the moment. And I think that's a really powerful thing to keep in mind. And it's one of the reasons that I've been so attracted to the situational design approach put forward by Paul Kutzinger and his team at Amazon Alexa, where we're no longer thinking about just offering a menu of options and requiring that the user conforms to the way that the computer speaks, but really trying to get at more conversational uh, way of designing. And then on the metaphor side, it's been really interesting to hear Mark Webster from Adobe, who has given a couple of talks on questioning whether the paradigm of a voice assistant is always useful in every case. And so I think that that's really interesting to keep in mind. Yeah. And I'd love for you to touch more on the current state of design a little bit more, especially with where we're at now and where we're going. Because as you just said, should we all be using voice? Does it work for every situation? No, it's similar to other things that we look at. It's really making sure that it's useful, it's usable in the right capacity. So yeah, if you could talk more about that current state of design and where you think it's going, that would be wonderful. Yeah, well, I, I guess picking up on the previous question, I think that there's definitely room for new paradigms and new metaphors as we get away from screens or spend more time without screens, thinking not so much in a file folder structure where we're diving deeper into things, but at this more either top level, or maybe there's another way of thinking about it so that we know how to navigate these systems without using the aid of screen or having to continuously be given a verbal menu of options. The other thing I think in terms of the future of voice design, we often speak about voice or even conversational design in isolation from other user inputs and outputs. We speak about multimodal as sort of an afterthought sometimes, and it's important to consider. But I think the distinction of voice designer from product designer or interaction designer more broadly will eventually disappear. And it's 
just going to be important for anyone working on a product or digital experience to understand at a high level, at least, all of the inputs at their disposal, including voice or gesture or text or image recognition, other sensor data. And of course, on the other side, all of the outputs at their disposal, which of course could be audio or verbal response, or it could be vibration, or it could be an audio cue or a visual cue or a text response. There's so many different ways or different tools that we can employ depending on the context of a user and what's most appropriate. I think from a user's perspective, they don't really care what the input is or what the platform is. They just want to use the one that makes the most sense in the moment. And in some cases, using my voice might be the best way to achieve a goal. But in other scenarios, it might be the click of a button. I completely agree. And I like that you're bringing into this whole idea the importance of conversational design as an integral part. I've been having some conversation with linguists recently. They are some of the most creative and fascinating and talented people that I've met. And they're really talking about the importance of conversational design, not just developing something because the user wants it, but really making sure that it interacts with the human in the most effective and efficient way and really includes everybody as well. Totally. And, you know, I think that this is another case where we have inherited certain paradigms in conversational design. We're somewhat building on the legacy of IVRs, or interactive voice response systems. And IVRs were built on a legacy of touch tone options. So press one for X, press two for Y. So I think in some cases, we may still be holding ourselves back because we're allowing our designs to be dictated by those historical paradigms rather than thinking about what is the ideal future interaction and how can we take steps to build towards that. Yeah. Can you share with us any examples of the work your team has done at Vader Media or even things you're currently working on or maybe things you'd like to work on so that listeners can understand how creativity and design will enhance the user experience a bit more? Sure. In terms of some of the projects that we've worked on, we have worked on a couple of experiences for JP Morgan that bring audio commentary to really complex market reports, which is a fun use case, I think, or a really interesting use case, at least. We've collaborated with Blue Origin on a skill that they launched. We launched character alarms on Google Assistant with three Lego experiences. I think the Wait Wait quiz from NPR is probably our most popular experience. And hats off to the team at Wait Wait because their writing and audio quality is just so phenomenal. One of the things that I'm most interested in the moment is sort of what I was alluding to before, using like a forecasting approach that allows us to imagine possible future states and how conversational experiences could be, and then taking the steps towards building what would be ideal experiences. Situational design is one that proposes an alternate more natural way of conversing with AI assistants, but it's not super common at the moment. But it also provides principles and guidance in designing towards that end. So we've actually used situational design on a couple of projects that aren't public, but we have one that's coming out in the next couple of weeks for a lifestyle editorial company, PureWow, which will be really interesting. I've also designed a speculative project that's a plant finder purchase and care experience to illustrate situational design principles, but it's in need of an inventory if anybody has uh, plants that they would like to create an experience for. The other thing I'm really interested in is the quality and depth of sound design and how audio cues can be introduced in place of verbal response when it makes the most sense. For instance, I have Echo Buds and when the battery is low, I hear Alexa tell me 
your battery is low. But I think a more subtle way that that could be implemented is the first time she says, when you hear this tone, your battery is low. And every other time I hear that tone and I understand the meaning of that sound. So little subtleties around sound design are really interesting to me. In terms of projects that I'd like to work on, I think the moment of unboxing or receiving a product that is shipped to you and having a voice interaction with that brand or around that product is a, a really interesting moment. So it could be for a garment and what is the soundtrack to trying it on for the first time, or it could be care instructions. But having a CTA printed on the box and when you open this product, you have this new dimension of experience with it is really exciting to me. Yeah, I think those are all good ideas. And I've said before to you, as well as to other people we've had on the show, the wait, wait, don't tell me skill that you guys have done is amazing. It really integrates with their show very well. And it uses the gentleman's voice and it's just done in a really great way. So if anyone hasn't tried it yet, I definitely would recommend it. If people want to connect with you or learn more about what we talked about or what you guys are doing over at VaynerMedia and VaynerSmart, where can they do that online? LinkedIn is probably the best place. And I always love hearing from people who are interested in looking at common challenges through a different lens. And the last question we like to ask on this show to help promote voice as a whole is, is there a current flash briefing or voice skill or experience that you're using or really enjoying right now? I listen to The Daily um, almost every morning and NPR through my smart speakers. And as far as uh, skill or experience, I would say of the use cases that I'm really excited about, I think novel effect and what Disney has done in terms of having an accompanying soundtrack and sound effects for reading is super, super interesting. That's something that we sort of experimented with on the annotated financial reports, getting this uh, complimentary audio commentary. But I think it's only scratched the surface and there's so much more that can be done in that realm. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insight, Claire. And I look forward to hearing more about what you all do over at VaynerSmart and VaynerMedia. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at That's K-E-R-I at M-O-D-E-V.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you. And we look forward to chatting with you next week.